When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back. This is The Blackout, coming to you from bellyupsports.com, also known as the best college football pick and pod in the land. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black, and we're here for you for the start of college football season. Alan, how are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm better than I was in June and even better than I was, uh, you know, in July, the, when the last time we we got together, and so it's it's uh, it's upon us finally. Prayerfully, we are finally ready for some football. It certainly does feel a little bit different. I've been telling you, even as we just got on here and started talking right before the show, that I, honestly, to me, it doesn't even feel like football season. There's just been so much going on and trying to organize things for the Pick'em contest, and uh, still working on. Uh, waiting to see what kind of announcements are coming, tracking opt-outs and seeing what happens with the schedule and all of that. Uh, it, it really just hasn't even felt like college football season is here, even with a kickoff this past Saturday. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And with the staggered kicks, you know, it, in, in my mind, you know, I'm, the date that I'm really looking at is September 26th, right? But even as of September 12th, you've got some really important and good games. Um, and, and, and But yeah, I'm normally at a fever pitch by this point because this would normally be the Saturday that everything really got started, you know? And, and so it's almost just this weird reality of we're, we're here, but we're, we're not yet here. And I'm just praying and hoping that we actually get to the point where we can watch some some really <laughs> good big boy football. Man, I'm with you. Like you said, big boy football. We saw one kickoff this past weekend, Central Arkansas and Austin P kicking off what little there is of the FCS season. But that was nice to see just a little bit of football. Uh, Alan, as we're looking at this thing, what are some of your expectations as we look at a pandemic-filled world, a pandemic-filled college football season? What do you expect we're going to see as we get things kicked off here in the next week and, and really two weeks as we really jump into it? I'm, I'm expecting there to be um, no juggernauts, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know that there's going to be any a couple of people or any teams that are going to be just absolutely juggernauts. Because I think at some point more than likely 
unless all of these class, all of these schools go all virtual, there's going to be a position group. And we've seen this and, and we'll talk about this where like entire position groups have been wiped out. And if that's the case and they still have enough to play and it doesn't meet whatever threshold they're going to have, then they're going to be playing like their six string <laughs> wide receiver or something, you know, like, and can you imagine the, the devastation of what that would look like for a team having to play somebody that's like six back you know it's going to be pretty wild it is going to be very wild to watch I know that there have been some talks and no official announcements on what it's going to take uh, but there are discussions on the back channels of administrations and athletic departments around the country talking about okay how many positive cases of COVID-19 does it take on one team to postpone or cancel a game beyond that how many uh, you know players do you need at each position group or is there a certain barrier that you cross that automatically postpones or cancels a game? And, you know, I, I don't know what the answers are on that. I've seen a proposal that you need uh, a minimum of 53 players like the NFL on NFL rosters down from the 85 scholarship uh, roster number that we see in college football. Uh, but I, I don't know if we're going to see anything official put on that out on that as we enter the season. But it really will be interesting to watch how games unfold and, uh, and, and what kind of barriers we cross in terms of, you know, spikes in, in positive cases and, and what result that carries throughout the year. Yeah. When, when you're going to be picking, it's probably going to behoove you not to pick until maybe Friday <laughs> <laughs> or, or be very, very wary. And like you may pick early in the week, but you better continue to check to make sure that some of this isn't, you know, if something doesn't change on a dime that, um, you know, Mac Jones doesn't end up testing positive and is not going to start whether what's going to be really interesting is do these teams have to release that information? Yep. Right. You know, I've wondered that because some of these guys like, uh, especially the SEC is notorious for this. They won't tell you that a guy's not playing until the starting lineups are announced. Yep. No, I'm can totally with you. That? You know, can they do that with a COVID situation? <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of that, you just get into the legalities of, you know, it's medical. It's not, it's not a football injury. You know, it's, it's medical and, and there's um, private, <laughs> private issues going on with that. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of cases where it's not announced which players are going to be specifically out, especially when it is dictated by COVID. Uh, but we'll see what happens. And it is going to be a fascinating, fascinating season. Another thing that, you know, we've kind of alluded to this, but another thing that I think we will see on a semi-regular basis to frequent somewhere in there, somewhere in that range, is seeing the postponement or cancellation of games. We've already seen yeah. it with Virginia Tech and NC State. They were supposed to play mm -hmm. on the 12th here coming up in a couple of weeks. That's already been moved back. Uh, that's just one case, but I think we're going to see more of it as we keep on seeing halts in practices and spikes in COVID going up even into the season. Uh, we're going to see a bunch of these games canceled or postponed as we go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's going to be pretty chaotic. I'm surprised that um, – everybody didn't start still start around labor day or the 12th and then just allow more open dates 
That certainly that would SEC, have been ideal. That would have been the nice. The SEC is really pushing it, in my opinion, trying to play 10 games in 11 weeks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know that Greg Sankey and some of the other commissioners out there have been vocal saying that, hey, we're waiting to see what happens when students come back on campus. And that's the defense of it. You know, that's why they pushed it back so far. But I'm with you. You know, the season is only more successful the more bye weeks you have. So I would have liked to have seen everybody kicking off, you know, this coming weekend or maybe the following weekend. Uh, but hopefully we'll have things flexible enough that we can we can work in at least most of the season. Yeah, I think there's a, a decent likelihood that we get at least, uh, you know, eight games apiece. Um, that's that's what I'm very hopeful for, at least. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, with how things have gone, as we're working our leg closer to the season and we have camps being played out and we have some postponements and some pauses in practice because of COVID-19, uh, really what I've seen is I think most universities have had an awful lot of success and I'm seeing reports coming out of, you know, since coming back to camp, schools have run 1,000 tests and they've had 45 positive cases. But in their last 500, you know, they've only had two. And, and you know, it's, it's numbers like that. I think largely across college football, we've seen a lot more positive signs of this thing going through well and games being able to be played than we have the negative things. And that's a big encouragement to me that I think we can see quite likely most of the season play out. I agree. It potentially makes the Big Ten and Pac-12 look quite silly and end up with a good bit of egg on their face. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then you've got all the the parents in the Big Ten throwing fits. You've got players rebelling. You've got coaches <laughs> rebelling. And then uh, and now they're coming off of their spring 2021 plan. And not saying it's not going to happen. Uh, but mm-hmm. they're even talking about maybe kicking it off Thanksgiving weekend. And, you know, they're trying to work through as many plans as they can. So uh, it's all over the place, especially in the Big Ten. Yeah. It, I saw some report, I forget who it was that tweeted this, but that they were they were trying to that essentially ask the the other three, the Big Ten, uh, the Big 12, the ACC and SEC to to bump back their their date a little bit more so they could essentially start at the same time. And oh, I'm yeah. Like, and like, are you are you that stupid? <laughs> like, Kevin Warren, are you are you that silly? Like, come on, man. Like, that is not how the real world works. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. Especially when the Big Ten went ahead and made all their plans without everybody else. And they went ahead and made decisions without the consent of all the other conferences and the other commissioners. So uh, I'm absolutely with you. That's them trying to figure out a way that they can still participate in the college football playoff. And uh, mm. it, it's not going to happen in, unless there just is no season at all or unless the college football playoff gets canceled. You know, they're going to be missing out while everybody else plays. Yep, that's exactly right, which is a a big chunk of cash. Oh, yeah. Alan, another big deal that we've been looking at, we've talked about it already a little bit, have been the opt-outs that we've seen. It's been all across college football. It's been the Power Five. It's been the Group of Five different reasons. Sometimes COVID-19, sometimes guys saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. I'm not going to worry about trying to catch some virus or spreading it to my family or anything like that. And I'm just going to go ahead and focus on the NFL draft. Some of the recent ones we've seen just in the last couple of days, Memphis running back Kenneth Gainwell, LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase, the Bolitnikoff winner last year, and defensive tackle Tyler Shelvin here Monday afternoon, evening, uh, just in the last few hours. What's your reaction to what we've seen with a bunch of these opt-outs? 
I mean, I hate it, but at the same time, the guys that are opting out for the most part are the guys that are almost guaranteed picks. Right. And, and even if they weren't, I think it is, it is their right. And it is the right thing that both the NCAA as, as not allowing the, um, the counter essentially their eligibility counter to, to continue this year. I think that is the, the right move. One of the very few right moves the NCAA has ever made. And, um, but I mean, it's hard to blame these guys, especially with, with some of the tragedy and personal issues that each of them um, potentially have going on. And these likely, you know, first rounders with a, as with a season that is as crazy as it is, there really isn't a reason for them to play. I am afraid that that will start a, a new trend because we're seeing some of that in, in ways that we haven't before, you know, and that's, that is the one thing that I hope moving forward doesn't happen. You know, you got a, a Gregory Rousseau at, at Miami, who's likely a top 10 pick. And obviously like you talked about Jamar chase and, um, just all kinds of guys, um, uh, Wake Forest, um, wide receiver, um, Sage Surratt, like all of these guys, you know, that Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. Um, it's, it's hard to blame them, though. It really is hard to blame them. I understand it from a personal standpoint. These guys saying, like you said, a lot of them, probably first or second round draft picks, they're looking at it going, hey, I've got money in my back pocket. Even in the Big Ten, before uh, the cancellation of the season, we heard names like Micah Parsons at Penn State, star linebacker mm-hmm. who's going to be a top 10 pick. Rondale Moore, wide receiver from Purdue. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. So we've seen these announcements all along. And for me, on the sentimental side, I'm going, man, this sucks. Like, I just yep. want to see these guys play college football one more time before they book it off to the NFL. But at the same time, I totally understand it. But I'm with you. I think that this can potentially, and I'm almost sold on it at this point, that I think we might be making the precedent for future seasons, uh, take COVID-19 out of the equation whenever we get over this. I think we might be making the precedent for, you know, draft eligible juniors or redshirt sophomores saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to skip the season. We've already seen it in bowl season more and more frequently. Guys are skipping out on bowl games just to prepare their bodies for the NFL draft and workouts. And I think there's potential that we could start seeing a handful of guys each year uh, make the same decision about an entire season. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And um, I think college football will suffer from that. And I, and I do believe that's probably going to come down the pike. But it's not going to be more than five to ten players in any given year, right? It, I, you know, somebody like a, a Derek Stingley next year could totally do Heck that. Heck yeah. He's, he's already proven that that guy is a round one, you got to take him kind of dude you know yeah before again before the yeah before the big 10 made their announcement i think it was miraculous enough that we had guys like justin fields and trevor lawrence at ohio state and at clemson saying nope we're in we're playing this season because they could have been in the exact same boat saying the exact same thing so i'm just thankful that we have enough of the guys still sticking around that can make this college football really this season really fun to watch absolutely and it's it is refreshing quite refreshing honestly to see how many of these guys just love football, you know, and, and just really want to play football. 
And, um, and not that the, the guys that opt out don't want to play football. They, each of them have the reasons. There's a lot of, I mean, I've seen, I've seen a lot of offensive linemen want to, that, that have opted out and they are certainly a little bit more at risk because they are much heavier. Um, and so, but I, it's going to be interesting to see as the season inches closer, if we see more and more players opt out, because if, if that happens, then, then that, tends to that's going to say to me that they don't believe that this is doable in a safe way but so far it's only one or two maybe three on a team unless you're Vanderbilt with four or you know know, like six at LSU I mean think about how many players LSU is having to to deal with losing from last year's team so you've got like the six that have opted out this year plus the how many 14 draft picks last year? Yeah, 14. Yeah, so like uh, so it's it's four um that have that have opted out, but you know, plus the 14. I mean, you're talking about an entire class gone <laughs> essentially, you know. <laughs> plus defensive coordinator Dave Aranda to Baylor, passing game coordinator off to the NFL. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. there's there's stuff everywhere for LSU. So it, it's remarkable. It is going to be interesting to see how all that stuff plays out. Alan, another thing that we have to look at is games that we are going to miss this season. A lot of the non-conference games just gone. Uh, What kind of games were you looking forward to or what's your top pick for a game that you were looking forward to, maybe in the non-conference or something we would have lost otherwise uh, that that we just don't get to see this year? Man, personally, this is as a personal fan, I was so excited for Tennessee to go to Oklahoma. I know, and like I know that that's like a a personal fandom thing, but that's that fine. one that one was such like I I loved it when Tennessee played there in 2014, and I thought that was a lot of fun, and um, I was really looking forward to that because I think this is a year that Tennessee could could have competed in that and made that a fun game. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my, my own personal fandom pick. (laughs) That is totally fine. Mine, typically what I see in the non-conference is I just go, Hey, what are the two top ranked teams? Or like, what's the smallest, you know, ranking number that you can put together between two teams. And that's like the number one I'm looking forward to, but this year is a slightly different. The one I was really, really looking forward to was Texas at LSU, you know, rematch from last year. We saw LSU go to Texas and, uh, you know, everything just kind of blew up with LSU from from Burrow and the wide receivers, dynamic offense and kind of changing things to the very beginning of their launch to a national championship. And then for this year, like you just mentioned, all the losses that LSU has, it'll be interesting to see, can they carry on any of the magic from last season going up against Sam Ellinger in Death Valley? I, I just looked at that as I thought that was my top matchup uh, for any game that I was looking forward to this season. And uh, I'm very disappointed to have it gone. But other than that, Ohio State going to Oregon was going to be a fun one. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot to look forward to that we're missing out on. It's disappointing, but again, understandable. Yeah, it, it really is. That would have been that would have been a game that could have put, you know, that was the game that, that LSU kind of asserted itself. That was back when we thought Texas was really something, right? And they won a shootout 45-38, and we knew at that point LSU's offense was for real. 
We didn't know about their defense at the time, but they improved throughout the year. But this could have been a game when you have a, a, a Texas that really kind of jumps back onto the national stage and asserts themselves this year at a you know winning at a Death Valley versus a, a depleted team because uh, I, I think Texas could be could be pretty good. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's go ahead and look at those teams that we think are pretty good. I think the last thing on the agenda for us tonight is to go ahead and look at which teams we think are going to be competing for the college football playoff. And this doesn't mean necessarily, hey, we think all these teams are capable of winning the national championship, but in this truncated season and a year in which we only have three of the Power Five conferences playing and we've got uh, a reduced number of group of five, we've only got three of those as well. Uh, I'm really interested, Alan, to hear your perspective on who you think is capable of competing for the college football playoff. So I'll put it this way. Let's start at a low, low level. I've seen some arguments for this. I want to know if you're buying into it. Is there any chance, any inch of a door open for the group of five to be imagining that they can get a team in the college football playoff this year? (laughs) There is no single (laughs) play. There's no way that that happens I mean I there's because they can't play these teams to show themselves to be you know uh, good enough right like yeah. you've seen these types of teams a uh, group of five that that have produced on a high level you think about Boise State the year that they beat Georgia in the George Dome and you, you like you think about these non-conference games when they have the chance to say in front of God and everybody on the biggest of stage, hey, we're legit. And they just won't have that opportunity this year. So it, it, it in effect, just uh, eliminates them. Everybody, and including me, will, will enjoy those games, but will know that, you know, that they, they've not had to endure what some of these other big boys are going to have to endure over a 10-game uh, schedule, you know? Okay, I'm really interested to see what you have to say about what I'm going to tell you. Because my first gut reaction when I saw people debating this, I was going, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. Like, just no chance. And then I started breaking things down in my head a little bit more. And I was going, wait a second. Is there any way possible that we could see something happen? And I'm going, okay, these teams that I have kind of at the top of the board for playoff contenders, I'm looking at, um, you know, I'll just give you one example. Like an Alabama and a Georgia in the SEC. Okay, because of our expanded schedule, technically even before the season got the conference schedule got expanded, Alabama and Georgia were squared off to play each other. Well, they're yeah. playing each other still in the regular season as long as we see the game played. And then for my money, and I, I know according to Vegas, those are the two favorites in the West and the East. And so we could see Alabama and Georgia play twice this season. And if you're looking at at those teams, of course, you know, we're looking at a scenario where easily you could have two teams from the SEC make the college football playoff. But with 10 conference games, does everybody other than the conference champion have two losses? I think maybe that's possible. You know, does Georgia go and lose to Alabama twice? And then is there any way that an AAC champion could get in there? And I'm just going, I don't know, maybe. But I'm thinking if we had two AAC teams go undefeated through their conference and play each other in the conference championship. And one of those teams come out on top undefeated and they've dominated everybody throughout the season. I think there's a 5%, maybe a less chance than that, that maybe we have a group of five uh, team fit into the college football playoff. What do you think? 
I still think there's no chance. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm telling you I is I just I think, think I think only if everything works out perfect. But I, I don't think that perfect scenario is gonna happen. Right. I think they would I I think that they would take um the, the college football playoff would take a seven and three power five team <laughs> over an undefeated, <laughs> undefeated AAC team. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I don't think we're going to see that scenario play out anyway. Uh, but yeah. I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about it. So, Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But in general principles, I'm with you. I mean, I, I just think that's asking an awful lot for, for kind of a magical scenario to happen. Mm-hmm. But it would have but to be. It would have to be. I'll just. I'll tell you. Like it would have to be UCF. Like hammering everybody by like thirty, forty points going into yes. their conference championship, undefeated against another undefeated team from the AAC. You know they're both ranked in the top ten. Like in a mm-hmm. normal year, that wouldn't happen. But hey, hello, forty percent of college football isn't playing this year, so we've got a watered down top ten anyway. And yep. uh, at that point. You've got like a, I don't know, a seventh ranked UCF and a 10th ranked Memphis or Cincinnati or something like that. And then, you know, UCF goes off and wins that game by 30. That's, that's the kind of the thing that I'm talking about. Like they would just have to hammer every single team they played, which they did a few years ago. Uh, yes. but, but I just don't know that it's going to happen. Yeah, and they'll just claim another national championship anyway, so you don't even have to worry about it. (laughs) So true. Okay, well, neither you or I really believe that there's going to be a group of five team in the college football playoffs. So let's break down the teams that we think actually have a shot. So let's start with the ACC. Alan, which teams do you think in the ACC have a legitimate chance to make the college football playoff? Well, there's there's one obviously very obvious one, and and that would be the the Clemson Tigers. Um, second, on that, I would I would have to go with, and, and this may be a little startling, but I would say North Carolina. Whoa! North, I would have North Carolina over Notre Dame. So, like the the likelihood of of them, it would be Clemson. Uh, North Carolina and then Notre Dame. Okay, give me your sales pitch for North Carolina because as of this moment, I'm not buying it. Oh, that's understandable. Well, I I think Mac Brown has in his in a similar way to Rick Barnes has have has had a rejuvenation once he left Texas. I think he got to sit back a little bit, you know, act like George W. Bush on ESPN, like <laughs> you know, he's got all that kind of stuff going on, that winsome nature, and they've got a lot of momentum around the program currently. Plus, I really love their quarterback. He's somebody that, that I wish Tennessee would have actually ended up recruiting. And um, and so I, I think he he very much was good last year as a true freshman and can take a significant step forward this year. And in my opinion, if you have a great quarterback in a not very good ACC, you're immediately in the top four, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it's only a matter of winning a couple of those 50-50 type games. And Mac Brown's been there and he's going to know how to, um, he's going to know how to deal with that. Whereas Virginia loses a lot, right? Virginia Tech, they, I'm just not sold on them. NC State has uh, just a, just an awful head coach in my opinion. Miami's still in a rebuild. Um, 
Louisville, I could see being a problem because I really, really like Satterfield as their head coach. Florida State is a train wreck. Um, and Boston College is a train wreck at this point and rebuilding. So I, I just think that the people that they're going to be playing, that they're going to have a, a large opportunity to to go, you know, eight and two. Yeah, well, I think Sam Howell is absolutely a star. I think he's going to be really yeah. good. I think he's going to give the offense a chance to succeed an awful lot. Um, but I think there's enough toss-up games on their schedule uh, because of Notre Dame, Miami, there's not a lot beyond that. Maybe Virginia Tech I'd throw in there as well. Um, yeah. I, I think there's enough toss-ups, plus you throw in the ACC championship game, even if they go on and play, let's assume, Clemson in the ACC championship game. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be able to make it through with less than two losses. I mean, that would be my point. And if you're talking about two-loss teams, I think there's a very good chance that you have a two-loss team in the college football playoff this year. At that point, I think you're going with kind of eye tests and that kind of thing with the committee, and I don't know yeah. if North Carolina is actually going to stack up very well in that. That's fair. I don't think, other than maybe with the exception of, I, I think the, whoever the fourth team is is going to have two losses. I think that you may have may have three teams with one loss, though I don't think that's even going to happen. I think they're that. Everybody's going to have a loss this year, and I and I think that at least a couple of them are going to have two losses going into the college football playoff, which in in my estimation then allows if they do happen to beat a Clemson in the ACC championship game, Clemson's chances are going to get in right anyway, just because a name brand college football play playoff wants them there, and if they just beat them and they manage to go eight and two in the regular season. In my opinion, they're in. Yeah, I understand that. Okay. I see what you're saying. I'll say, from my standpoint, the teams that I think are competing for the college football playoff in the ACC are Clemson and Notre Dame. I don't, I don't think it works past that. I'd, I'd maybe halfway listen to an argument for Miami just because of a new quarterback coming in and Derek King. Uh, because they have talent defensively, they're going to be good. Uh, but they were so sloppy last year. I just don't know if they can improve enough areas to really contend with like a Notre Dame and a Clemson in the ACC. Oh man, Tate Martell's going to bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. QB one, baby. What is he like? QB five now? I think he's wide receiver four. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh man, Alan, we've I've briefly mentioned it. Let's jump over to the SEC. Who are you talking about as contenders? There's a lot of teams being talked about as dark horses in the SEC. I want to know which teams you think are actual contenders for the playoff in the Southeastern Conference. Ooh, in the Southeastern Conference, the one team that's getting a lot of talk that I don't buy into is Texas A&M. I don't think Kellen Mond is, is able to be consistent enough for them to be more than seven and three, right? And to, to win in the SEC, you're going to, you're going to have to be better than you're going to have to be at that eight and two mark. Um, and, and I really love Dan Mullen as a coach, but I, I don't think Florida has enough juice to be able to do that this year. Um, obviously I think Alabama is, is almost a shoe in. I don't now that some of I had LSU at a at a level that they I think they could have really competed. Um, however, with some of the the departures that they've had that we've already talked about, 
um, as well as what's happened um, uh, with some of their opt-outs, I think Auburn vaults into the second place in the West. Um, I think it'll be Bama, then Auburn. And then in the East, I think it'll be Georgia, Florida, and then Tennessee right behind them. So I, I think the two top teams will be Bama and Georgia. Again, snooze fest. <laughs> so what are you telling me? You think Bama and Georgia are the two in real true competition for the playoff? Yeah, I do. And, and I could see both of them. If, if both of them have one loss or less going into the SEC championship game, then both are getting in over, you know, a one or two loss, Notre Dame or North Carolina. Yeah, I'm with you more or less on this one. I don't believe in Texas A&M and Kellen Mond. Uh, it's the fact that, you know, they've lost four or five games every every year since Jimbo Fisher got there. And, and last year they really didn't show themselves to be that good a competition for the best teams in the country. I know they had a tough schedule, uh, but it was really kind of they beat who they should, they lost to who they should, and it was pretty clear cut. It wasn't like, you know, they were really challenging and really proving themselves. So I know there's some people optimistic about them, but I'm not buying it. As far as Auburn goes, uh, I'm not the biggest Bo Nix fan. I, I don't think he's very close to being one of the better quarterbacks around the country. Uh, I mean, he's good, and I think there's potential there. Uh, but I don't think he's realized some of that potential. They replace an awful lot of starters on the offensive line. Uh, they lose a lot of defensive line talent. I'm not buying them. I'm with you on Florida. I don't think they're a real true challenger. I know a lot of people are picking them to win the East, uh, but I just don't think it's going to happen quite yet. I think they lose too much on the offensive side, and they just don't have enough skill talent with, to go along with Kyle Trask. Uh, so I'm looking at Alabama and Georgia as well. In the, in the chances to make it out of the SEC into the college football playoff. Uh, with Alabama, you talked a little bit about it with, with Mac Jones. I think he proved enough last season that the offense can keep on humming with Devonta Smith, with Jalen Waddell. I think that passing attack is going to be really good. I think you're going to see more of Najee Harris, and he's going to be really good. Dylan mm -hmm. Moses coming back on the defensive side of the ball I think is really big. And then at Georgia, you know, does Jamie Newman work out? Does the new offense kind of, you know, mold its way in? I think those are questions that I have, but I think there's potential there. The defense at Georgia is going to be lights out. It's going to be awesome. We know that. They bring back just yep. about everybody from last year. So those are the two teams I'm circling out of the SEC that I think can have a legit chance to be one of the final four. The one thing that, that I could see going wrong to the point where Georgia's not in the conversation is that if they really mishandle this quarterback competition. Now, we've seen this happen, right? If you have two quarterbacks that the team is split on and one underperforms and then you go to the other one and the other one underperforms as well, then, then you could be in some serious trouble. That splits a locker room. So whether they decide on JT Daniels or Jamie Newman, they really need to, to make sure that they get that decision right. Yeah, and really, truly, because the offense can look probably fairly different depending on who that quarterback is. Yeah, and I don't know what Todd Munkin's, like, what his offense is going to look like. I think it's going to have more, you know, a lot of vertical passing in it. Um, and then that would almost lead you to believe that it's going to be JT Daniels, right? Like, it, but I, I don't know. Yeah, and the only question that still sits out there with JT Daniels, is he going to be medically completely cleared for the start of the season? 
I don't know if that happens. And, and that's not to take anything away from your argument because, I mean, he could be medically cleared a couple of games in, and then all of a sudden you do have that quarterback battle on your hands. But I'm wondering if maybe Jamie Newman has enough of a gap there toward the start of the season just because he's going to be running more first-string reps that maybe he uh, fits into the offense you know, several weeks into the year and maybe they become confident that that's the way it works out. Uh, but that would be the only hindrance I have because, you know, JT Daniels, uh, like you're alluding to, he's already gotten NCAA clearance, but there was that report that came out a couple of weeks ago that he is still awaiting uh, medical clearance for coming back from the ACL tear at UC- USC. So that'll be interesting to watch, but I'm with you. If if he can get fully healthy and he's ready to go, it really will be interesting to, how George, to see how Georgia handles that quarterback competition. I think it will ultimately decide whether they're, they're a, a legitimate contender or not. Oh, really I'm with did. you. All right, Alan, let's go ahead and jump over to the Big 12. Tell me who you're looking at for competitors for the college football playoff. I think Texas is going to be really good this year. Uh, I really do. And and uh but I, I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to win the uh, the Big 12. I think uh that's going to be Oklahoma. But I think the two teams that are going to battle for that that second position to potentially uh, play Oklahoma is going to be Kansas State and Texas. I really, really like Kansas State. I love the way they play football. I love their purple uniforms, man. And uh, (laughs) and they give Oklahoma fits. Like that's the one team that consistently just year after year just gives them fits and and Klein is, is just an incredible coach. And so given that this would be his second year there, um, I I could see a really tough, you're going to need to be tough nosed to deal with all that you've got to deal with this year. You either have to have very superior talent or you've got to be incredibly tough nosed and you always know you're going to get that from Kansas state. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm looking at Oklahoma and Texas. I think you kind of pointed it out. I'm a little surprised that we're on the same page with that just because I, I, you know, I've read a lot of stuff nationally and there are not a lot of people talking about Texas, but they bring back Sam Ellinger. I've heard really good things about their backs in the backfield that they're showing out in camp. They've got to work out some things with wide receiver. But if you look back to last season as well, they were really, really banged up on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary. And that gave them fits. But they lost a bunch of close games. And then you flip it over to Oklahoma and what they have. Hey, they lost Jalen Hurts. Of course, he went to the NFL draft. They lost C.D. Lamb to the draft. Uh, Apart from that, their starting running back, Kennedy Brooks, has opted out. Jaden Hazelwood, an expected top wide receiver for them, is kind of banged up and he's not going to be available for a few games. I just think there is a chance that Texas has the opportunity to come up and possibly win the Big 12 this year with all that's riding on so many changes, especially on the offensive side of the ball. that has been so good with Oklahoma. I think there's a lot of question marks there this year for the first time in quite a while. Yeah, and there's a power vacuum with with Baylor not more than likely not being who they were last year, right? And so you've got you have an opportunity for for somebody like a Texas or a Kansas State to vault up into that that two position or even, you know, I think a lot of Matt Campbell at Iowa State, like conceivably I could see them 
vaulting into that position if everything went right. You know, it's kind of like us talking about a group of five <laughs> team getting up there. I could conceivably see Iowa State doing something like that. But just and that's just because I believe in Matt Campbell as coach. Um, but yeah, I, I I believe a lot in in uh, Sam Ellinger. I think this is a this is the type of year that you need a, a steady presence because there's going to be so much uh, chaos and and uh, that it can be a, a type of thing that really works in their favor. Texas has been screaming from the rooftops, "We're back!" But <laughs> yeah, and I, I think this is maybe yeah. the year for it. Yeah, and I think that's the reason people aren't picking them because everybody was like just slobbering <laughs> over Texas last year, right? Like, yeah. I mean, they were just like licking those horns like crazy, man. And it was just one of those things where everybody got burnt, and the year after everybody gets burnt, you just you refuse to pick them. Yeah, and and I think there's a little bit of that too. I think this if there's ever the year for. Texas to rise up and win the Big 12, this is just kind of the opportunity. You know, you have that senior quarterback. You've got a lot of experience. You've got guys returning from injury. Uh, you've got a lot of positive things working in your way. And then the cream of the crop, the Sooners, you know, they've got a lot of question marks. And if if Spencer Rattler comes up and he starts his first season as a starting quarterback and he wins the Heisman Trophy and he leads them to an undefeated season, I'll just say, whatever. You know what? Just give Lincoln Riley – the, the crown, you know, if he's the quarterback whisperer <laughs> of all quarterback whisperers, so be yeah. it. But uh, I just think there's enough question marks with all that that I'm saying, hey, it just kind of makes sense that somebody would get the opportunity to knock off Oklahoma this year. Of all years, it would just seem that this would be the time for it to happen. Yep. Yep, I agree. I, I could totally see that. They're, they are vulnerable this year, and we know that their defense is – not going to be that great because historically it hasn't been and it really hasn't been um uh so and over the past couple years well you mentioned the defense has been a question mark they also lose a superstar guy like kenneth murray at linebacker he's just a freak Mm -hmm. athlete and i know their defense wasn't great last year but he was able to cover up some holes he was able to do some things athletically that just not many people can do and you lose him you have Caleb Kelly, who's supposed to be a senior returning from injury, who just likely tore his ACL recently. I haven't seen official word on that, but he's supposed to miss the season. It's just, to me, there's just so many things that are lining up for Oklahoma to take a step back for the first time in a number of years. Yep, especially when they run into a team that is big, strong, physical, that plays, you know, uh, that isn't scared of them and just smacks them in the mouth, you know? And yeah. which is one of the reasons Kansas State always gives them fits. Yeah. All right, Alan, we've talked about the teams that are the most likely to make the playoff. What is your final selection for the top four? It's going to be Clemson, and it's going to be Alabama, and it is still going to be Oklahoma in a, in a down year. And I think – to go, I hate to go chalk. I hate it so much, but I think George is going to find their way in there. Fair enough. Fair enough. It'll be interesting I hate to, go to see. Chalk, but I guess it, you know, if you're right, then nobody, then nobody makes fun of you for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Uh, I'm going to say that I think that Alabama 
comes out on top with the one number one overall seed because I think strength of schedule is going to give them a nod. I, I think there's a chance they can go undefeated against their schedule. Just enough questions with Georgia, and I think they're the I think clearly the best team in the West. I just I just think they are, and I don't think there's that many teams in the SEC that can compete with them right now. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll go Alabama one. Uh, I'm going to go with them. Goodness, I almost have to say facing like a rematch against Georgia in the first round because if I if I say that Georgia's going to make it, then it's going to be two losses to Alabama during the regular season. We might get a rematch. And then I'll go with Clemson and Texas out of the Big 12. So I'm against going against you. I'm going to go with that leap and saying, hey, if there's ever a year for Oklahoma to take a step back, it's this year. So I'm going to go with Texas as kind of, uh, you know, kind of that dark horse team, uh, but otherwise a pretty chalky year as well. Um, so I'm just kind of looking at, you know, Georgia, like I talked about earlier, kind of being the best of the two lost teams. And I think that the committee's going to kind of heavily lean on that as we get deep into the season, if we see it uh, played all the way through. So, Alan, who are you looking at to come out on top? Uh, as long as something doesn't happen to Trevor Lawrence, I've got Clemson winning the national championship this year. Okay. But they better protect him. They better wrap him in bubble wrap. Like, his whole body needs a mask. Like a <laughs> meat. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see, man. I'm going to go with Alabama. I just, I think that Clemson had it kind of made for them. You know, Ohio State kind of dropping out and everybody saying they're coming back and playing for Clemson, but they've had enough things go wrong uh, just from the standpoint of Justin Ross, their top wide receiver, getting uh, kind of medically Uh, knocked out of this season because of uh, some concerns that he had pop up and a surgery that he's had. He's out for the year. They lose a lot of offensive linemen. I don't know that they have just straight up stud wide receivers like they've had in years past without a Justin Ross on the field. And so I wonder if teams are going to have a little bit more success slowing down the running game and slowing down Travis Etienne. On the other end, we talked about it. I think that you know, with Alabama and Mac Jones, I think the passing game is going to be really consistent, similar to what it was last year. In addition to that, I think they can they can even slow that passing game down a little bit. You know, instead of throwing it 30 or 35 times a game, it might be more like 25 or 30 times a game and run the ball more with Najee Harris and some of the other backs that they have. So I think Alabama, to me, is kind of my pick for the national championship and coming away with it this year. Uh, but I think they're probably playing Clemson uh, the way I have it lined up. So... I think it's a really interesting year. I sure do wish that we had the opportunity. We talked about this over text that that Ohio State could be uh, have an opportunity to make it in because I'd definitely be picking them out uh, as one of the four teams to be in there. I think they have a high-quality roster, and they'd be one of the teams there. But regardless, I think that we can have a fascinating and really fun season working our way to the national championship. Given what uh, Clemson has lost with Justin Ross and, and Xavier Thomas, you know, um, I would have put Ohio State as the favorite to win it this year. Um, I'm with but, you. You know what? Are, what are you going to do? You know when you've got a sucky commissioner, this is a uh, now you know made your bed. Now you got to lie in it. Absolutely. And hey, I'll tell you this too. In terms of picking Alabama, I haven't watched much of him play, but there is an awful lot of talk from college football people around the country saying, "Hey." With Alabama, watch out. Mac Jones may not be the quarterback all season. And to me, I don't think Mac Jones is unbelievable, but I think he's pretty good, and I think he can facilitate a really good passing attack at Alabama. 
but they're talking about this freshman Bryce Young, a dual threat guy who people are kind of talking about, you know, just being the next star quarterback around the country. So I've seen a couple of highlights. It's impressive. I'm not sold that he's going to take over the job, but I know there's some people who believe he's going to overtake the job as, uh, as the season works its way on. And if he looks good against that defense in practice, chances are he'll look pretty decent against <laughs> probably lesser defenses on the field. Absolutely. Alan, it's been a joy to talk some college football. I'm glad that we're finally getting back into it. And uh, as people tune into this podcast, like we talk about all the time, this is the best college football pick and pod in the land. And uh, as we've been going through the last couple of weeks, we've been really honed in and trying to figure out exactly how our competition is going to play out this year. Um, there's been some questions as to whether some of these big name places like CBS Sports and ESPN are running their competitions, but we think we're making some headway there. And even if stuff doesn't play out how we want to, uh, then I'm going to have some sort of a backup plan for us that we'll be able to run something ourselves. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a heck of a year. I just hope that we can see enough of the football games played out that we actually get to play the competition all year. Me too. They need to follow us, follow us on Twitter. Cause we're going to be announcing this. We're going to have another podcast out, um, you know, in the, in the coming couple of weeks and, and we're getting ready to roll. And so you got to follow us. So that way we know. Um, so you're going to get all the up-to-date information. You can sign up and you're going to hear it here on the podcast too. Absolutely. You can follow Alan at AD on the blackout. You can follow me at TB on the blackout. You can find you can follow the show at the Blackout Pod on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, let's see what else. Mm, we're going to do another episode. We're going to do a pick 'em pod next Wednesday. So we'll have that out in the middle of the week next week, previewing our first setup of games. However, the competition plays out, it's going to start next week. And uh, Alan and I will be with you to give you tips and suggestions. Uh, at some point, I'll start bringing on some. Uh, interviews from uh, college football reporters around the country like I've done in years past. So we're going to have a lot of stuff going on here on the show. And of course, you can always find it and of course, subscribe at bellyupsports.com. Rate and review us. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) If you want to rate and review, that is one of the things that can help the most. If you jump on Apple iTunes, Uh, Give a five-star review. I've seen some other podcasts do this. If you want to throw in a question there, you can drop a question. We'll answer it here on air. So there's an awful lot of ways you can get in touch with us. And uh, we'll be... We'll be communicating a lot of stuff too as we get going. But if you're listening to this and you're kind of new to the podcast, if you weren't in on our bowl competition last year, uh, there's any number of ways that you can follow along and you can get involved in the competition. Like we said, you can follow and look for announcements. You can listen to the podcast. Uh, You can shoot either me or Alan a DM, any of those things. Any of those things are on the board and uh, just do anything you can to find out what's going on because it's going to be a blast all year long. I can't wait. It's cathartic just to talk about it. It is, man. Alan, I appreciate it a bunch. I'm looking forward to recording another episode with you here in just a little over a week. And I uh, can't wait to get this thing knocked off the tee and getting, getting going next, uh, next week. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks, dude. We'll talk to you later. All right, man.